Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys? Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado. Super excited to be here with you on another episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are diving deep into the backgrounds and journeys, stories of the people behind the products that you know and love. In today's episode, we are going to be speaking to an incredible owner of Nashville, Hamp, Mr. David Pelicani. Yes, he is Italian. I figured that out before the interview. He's also a political activist who supports common sense drug laws and a number of environmental issues. In today's episode, we are going to be diving deep into what's happening in the hemp revolution in the green rush and all of the things surrounding this incredible reform and major disruption to our healthcare industry. Help me welcome Mr. David Pelicani. How you doing? Doing all right. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm uh, looking looking forward to having a little talk with you and, and seeing what kind of stuff we can cover. So thank you. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Um, first of all, for those of you guys who cannot see the video, there's a gorgeous guitar behind David right now. And at some point, I'm going to peer pressure him into playing <laughs> that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a nice one. It's a 1955 Gibson J200. So you can't really live in Nashville without having a, a couple of old Gibson guitars. So yeah, that, that's appreciation <laughs> that one, I guess. Hell yeah, man. I used to sing, I used to sing with a flamenco guitar player and oh, nice. yeah, it was so fun. And uh, my father's Argentinian. Um, and so much of my time in high school and with my friends was around playing music. We actually, kicked off this whole thing called anti-radio where we were pulling in kids from all the different neighborhoods and we would like get people to sponsor their warehouses and stuff and let us like go into the warehouse and some people would be doing graffiti and some people would be playing music and other people would be like trying to figure out the beat machines or you know nice. like spoken word po and it, we just created a hub for like the misfits to get together and express their creativity and um, we called it anti-radio because our, our stuff was never going to get played on the radio and we didn't want it to we just wanted to you know, be creative and do the thing. A little we just mixed wanted to be left thing. the fuck alone is the truth. <laughs> just yeah. like to do it, to express ourselves and like have fun. And it was really, really cool. And, and still to this day, like a bunch of my friends are running it down in San Diego and it's this really cool, like, um, it's turned more into like a party rather than making music. But when I was running, yeah. it was like making music. Well, par partying and music always goes hand in hand if, it, if either is done the right way. So <laughs> that, that's, that sounds, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I, uh, definitely partied in the right way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think, think we all have one point. <laughs> Super fun. Okay, so all intros aside, um, I want to hear straight from the horse's mouth where you're from. How did you end up in this in this uh, can of history or CBD conundrum? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I grew up in New York. Uh, I moved to Nashville in 2006, so it's been about 13 years now. Uh, I started, uh, another company in 2011 called Nashville Vapor, which was an electronic cigarette company, opened up a, a couple of stores around middle Tennessee. We have four locations for that for, for right now. I don't know how long that's going to last because we've got a lot of challenges in that business right now as well. Uh, but I got into it for, for essentially the same reason I got into the, the hemp industry, which was uh, essentially I, I saw it as a, as a tool for harm reduction 
uh, a better alternative to people for, you know, than smoking cigarettes. My dad died of cancer, uh, when he was 51 years old. Uh, so I, I knew, I knew that, you know, smoking was bad news. I used to be a smoker when for a long time from, uh, you know, 15, 20 years or something. But yeah, uh, I guess about two years ago, uh, CBD started to become this thing that a lot of people were talking about. Uh, people were coming into our uh, Nashville Vapor, the electronic cigarette store, asking for it. And um, I had always been, I guess the best way to put it is, is pro-legalization and pro-cannabis in any capacity. Uh, so I thought, okay, this, this could warrant its own business. So we started up Nashville Hemp last year. Uh, we've been open for a little over a year now. And um, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. There's, there's definitely been a, a handful of setbacks, I guess, is probably the right <laughs> way uh, to put it. But uh, overall, the, the, the experience, you know, w- with it is, has been fantastic. You know, I mean, when we were first opening up the store and we were putting out a sign out front that said Nashville Hemp, we were one of the first, you know, hemp dispensaries, I guess, uh, in the area in Nashville. And uh, before we'd even opened the doors, somebody had said they were going to throw a brick through our window because they didn't want any, you know, marijuana stuff coming into their neighborhood. And I thought, oh, great. You know, this is, uh, this is hopefully not any indication of how things are going to be. Uh, but within no time... Um, you know, public perception and, you know, we're not in Colorado, so we, we don't have quite as, as progressive laws out here in Tennessee as you guys yeah. have. Uh, but yeah, really quickly, the, the response, you know, was, was great. And uh, people's opinions about it started to change almost immediately because, you know, just to give you an example, the, the, the guy who owned the space that we rented for think his mother is like 85, 87 years old or something, probably had never had any interaction with, you know, cannabis in her whole life, was dealing with some serious arthritis problems, started using mm-hmm. CBD and it changed her life. Uh, and that, that seems to be the, the reception that we're getting almost everywhere, as I'm, I'm sure you know. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's genuinely helping people with... Uh, a number of different ailments and uh for a lot of people they're they're using it to get off of uh other drugs opiates mainly uh some people are just cutting down and some people this is this is this is all they're using and this is the the first thing that that's been able to give them relief in anything uh, for of anything that they've tried so you know, right right now, I, I think uh, the, the the climate has changed a lot because of the introduction of, of CBD into the public market space, I guess. And now uh, we're hoping the progress keeps moving in the right direction. What do you? What in your definition is common sense drug law? Well, you know, common sense drug law for me, uh, right off the bat, is making sure that. People who are nonviolent offenders aren't criminalized. That that right off the bat is is the number one issue. Growing up in the music world, where you know cannabis use has always been pretty prevalent uh, amongst musicians, uh, you know I've seen friends who who've had their whole lives taken away, who've been been locked up behind bars, and. Uh, still to this day are dealing with the repercussions of, of, you know, being arrested for something that they never used to hurt anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the flip side of it is um, the way that I see things as an American, um, there's nothing written into the Constitution that says what we can or what we cannot put into our own bodies. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it should be a baseline basic human right, let alone the fact that it should definitely be an American right, 
to be able to decide what what's what's best for my own body or for for you know for anybody else to make a decision over what's best for their own body and obviously the the medical applications for the cannabis plant alone are so numerous to even start trying to list them all right now but it goes beyond that for me it's it's not just about the medical stuff it's it's you know it in any kind of recreational capacity you know, in a free society, I don't see any reason why this should be restricted. You know, if we haven't learned our lesson from the war on drugs by now or from even, you know, from prohibition in the, the 1920s, you know, I, I just don't know what it's going to take for people to wake up and realize that that nothing good ever comes out of criminalizing a plant. Agreed. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, I wish there was something I could argue with because I think it'd be make for a better show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're probably on the same page. With yeah, this. no, we're for sure on the same page. But one thing I will, one thing I will um, ask about because here in Colorado, I think a lot of people are surprised to hear that. Like, even though I was a part of um, you know legislation that would allow for medical use here for profit medical model and a business I owned an operated dispensary um, and so I think that a lot of people assume that just because I was a part of that movement and just because I owned a dispensary that um, and manufacturing license and cultivation license that I would also be pro recreational use. And in fact, I wasn't. I thought it was too soon, too much too soon, and that we didn't keep up with um, accessibility in the way uh, we didn't keep up with education and accessibility. Like the two things, they outgrew each other. The education didn't grow as quickly as the accessibility did. Um, I'm interested to hear your perspective. What, in your opinion, should they recreational should they allow for recreational access or adult use across the country now or do you think that um, the trajectory that we're on now where you know one state at a time is offering some sort of reform how would you see um, that political landscape shift I, I don't I don't think we, I don't think we have a choice anymore I, I think if the American government is truly concerned about the well-being of the general public in this country uh as i'm sure you've probably seen in the news over the past couple of months people are dying and even more people are getting sick right now from using black market thc cartridges that they're vaping all of the headlines in the news have been basically saying you know at least initially uh it was all attributed to vaping electronic cigarettes. Uh, all of the information that seems to be coming out now, at least reliable information, has pretty much narrowed it down to the fact that it is black market THC cartridges that are getting people sick. A kid just died uh, a week and a half ago here in Tennessee. He was in his early 20s, a guitar player. Could have been me 20 years ago. And the, the, the truth of the matter is, yes, uh, you know, there, there needs to be a certain level of, of public education where the, the public needs to understand what these products are, how they work, how they affect people. But at the end of the day, most people are familiar with, with, with what the plant is, what it does. and if we weren't so far overdue, uh, I'd say, yeah, you know, to have a period, a transitional period of uh, education would be great. But now it's to the point, like I said, where people are literally getting sick and developing, you know, lip uh, pneumonia and all different kinds of lung problems. Um, and as far as we could tell, it's it's not from the THC that's hurting anybody. It's it's while they don't know exactly what it is, there's a lot of speculation right now that it's coming from the 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 cuts that are being used to cut down the THC. Like vitamin E oil, for instance. Like vitamin E acetate, is that what you said? Like vitamin E oil. For yeah, yeah vitamin E oil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, things that are not meant to be absorbed into the lungs. But whatever it is, the only way that, that there's, they're going to be able to come up with real concrete evidence of 
of what it is that's causing this is to put everything out in the open right now to accept that this is a, a, a real problem. It's not going to prevent people from using these products. People are going to use THC, whether it's legal or not. Um, Just like they have been for decades. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I was going to say. They have been for decades. So this isn't, this isn't some new thing. Uh, people getting sick is a new thing. Um, and that's probably because there is, you know, well, there's more chemical for- derivatives infused into it than ever before. And people are homemade manufacturing concentrates where in decades before, even leading up in the last four years, there wasn't nearly as much movement around constant, you know, the concentrate movement. And the people right. are like, you know, we're really grassroots about it until like four or five years ago when all of a sudden it was you know the dawn of the alien weed like now it's like alien cannabis that has been genetically modified to soup up and stir up the absolute most thc and then they're throwing it in these machines that are like extracting it with butane or co2 some sort of gas and they're either not pulling out all of the um all of the solution from it so it's not a clean substance then you're like smoking gas and then you're like there's all of this crazy stuff that's happening now with the infiltration of you know front range science um yeah, not to say that it's bad too, because there's a ton of benefit from science being involved with with the with the industry as well. But certainly for um, the black market and the bootleg market, which I love all my people who have been in that, you know, much love to you all. But at the same time, like we have a bad rep right now, because, you know, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. Yeah, uh, and and you know, obviously when when you're working in an environment where there are no legal options available in states where like Tennessee, where we don't have even medical, you know, it's, it's going to put people in a position to do things without any kind of oversight, without any kind of regulation at all. When it comes down to just dealing with the pure flower, obviously the risks are are less prevalent. But we're to a point right now where where people all over the country are watching, you know, shows on TV uh, where people are using 8,000 different kinds of cannabis (laughs) derivatives in every form known to man, you know, and whatever you want to say about it, the the cat's already out of the bag. So people are aware that these products exist and people are going to want to get their hands on them. And if there isn't some way to make sure that the best products are available to people all across the country, the cleanest, the purest versions of um, whether it's the distillates, whether it's edibles, whatever it is, the only people at this point that, that, that stand to lose are, are the people who are, are using these products who are going to be using them one way or the other. So, I mean, if, if there really is any general outrage and concern over the fact that people are, are getting sick from these products, then the government needs to act quickly and figure out a way to get this under control before it becomes a public health crisis beyond what it already is right now. So funny that like millions of people, tens of millions of people can die from smoking tobacco, but we have like, I don't know, a hundred deaths from, or you know, not even that many. There has not, not even, even no, it's there's like, five. yeah, there's like two, there's like a couple dozen folks who get sick from this and they're like illegalized. They're making vaping illegal and like they're doing all this stuff. And I'm just like, I used to. What happens if that's alcohol? What happens if that's, you know, tobacco? There's, I'm somewhat of a conspiracy theorist in the sense that I'm like, why hasn't there been any, you know, reform or um, further addressing of tobacco or alcohol? They're they're completely linked up together. and, And that's where I've kind of gone off the reservation uh, for a lot of people in the electronic cigarette industry, because all I've been doing for the past couple of weeks is trying to differentiate to my customers and to the public that there is a difference between store-bought electronic cigarettes, nicotine-based electronic cigarette products, 
and black market illegal counterfeit THC cartridges. Uh, but the whole time that I've been trying to differentiate these two products, and there is a big difference between them, I've been trying to be very careful not to inadvertently throw the cannabis industry under the bus on this one because it's a fine line. It's a fine line, and ultimately, the the people who have an interest in this hysteria continuing, the vaping hysteria. Ultimately, it, it, it's going to serve the, the, the same the same forces at the end of the day. Uh, it's a play right now by the big tobacco companies to retake control over the, the the nicotine industry. Whether that means that they're the only people who are allowed to remain in the space for nicotine distribution devices, whether that means they're able to continue with electronic cigarettes and eliminate all of the small business owners like myself or get people back to just smoking cigarettes again, one way or the other, it's a win-win for the big tobacco companies. But what people don't realize is, is, is also happening from all of this is this is also an opportunity for the big corporations out there to retake control over the cannabis industry and be able to try to make the point and influence public, you know, uh, to influence the public to, to thinking that they're the only ones who can regulate the cannabis industry, which would mean that either, you know, the big tobacco companies or the big pharmaceutical companies wind up taking control over the, the cannabis industry, which would be a, a tragedy also. Mm-hmm. Uh, e- e- either way, um, at the end of the day, the, 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 the people who, who stand to benefit from all the hysteria that's been created in the news in the past couple of months are ultimately going to be big, gigantic corporations that have so much influence in politics right now, influence in the media. And the the misinformation and lies that are coming out, like you said, you know, there have been a handful of people who've died uh, from these unregulated THC cartridges, but there have been 480,000 people that died last year from smoking cigarettes. We're like, we know that. Uh, <laughs> so so to, to make any kind of equivalency between the two things is is not only irresponsible, it can potentially create a situation where more people are going to be getting sick and dying uh, in a way that that ultimately is only going to wind up benefiting these 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 corporations at the end of the day. Yeah, totally agree. I think that there's, you know, I, I always say that there's this really small window right now while we're a self-governing industry where we have a chance to set ourselves apart and we have a chance to govern in a way that holds each other accountable for quality, efficacy, and that we're actually delivering on the promises that we are making. A lot of people, you know, because they're having a challenge with stabilizing supply chain or, you know, whatever it is for themselves, they don't know where their products are being sourced or a lot of companies are just white labeling. Um, you know, you have no idea of the journey of your of your brand. And it's super, super important um, you know, that you ask those burning quite like what are those, what are the key questions that you should be asking to help you understand like what is the journey of the product that you're putting in? Do you have batch specific testing? Do you know what is actually being put in your bottle? And will a client experience the same thing every time they take your product, even if it's a different batch? You know, so being the self-governing industry, making sure that the education and information is available to properly empower the clients that you're serving, super important as you're building and growing. One of the things that we talked about was the inevitable challenges. And we always cover this segment, like what are the crazy challenges that CBD is putting in front of us? What feels most natural to us as business owners to implement as a part of our CBD companies, whether you're a store or an online brand or you know a distributor, there's all different types of things that feel natural, but are totally preventing you from being able to grow in the CBD space specifically. What have been some of those roadblocks that you have hit, David? Well, the, the biggest one, you know, has probably been credit card processing uh, right off the bat. Um, you know, after the 2018 farm bill went through last December, I thought, okay, you know, this is going to take CBD out of the shadows 
Uh, I know that there's been some progress on the safe banking acts and everything, but even still, the initial credit card processor that we were working with when we first opened up, pulled the plug on us within, you know, a month of being opened. We <laughs> we had a second credit card processor that was doing a CVD pilot program. They wound up pulling the plug after about two months. And then just recently, we went on to our third credit card processor. <laughs> and, uh, they're basically making things pretty difficult right now with holding funds and doing a bunch of things that are frankly just just crazy and I'm not even sure how how it's being done legally but you know the the whole the whole point of all of this is to be able to legitimize the industry not only benefits the people who are in the industry it's not just the business people but it it gives the consumers a little bit more confidence in and who they're doing business with and the more legitimate a business becomes the more incentive there is to make sure the products that are going out of their front door or being shipped out of their warehouse for online sales or whatever it is, the incentive gets greater and greater to maintain your reputation and maintain your brand. And that incentivizes businesses to look more closely at the COAs on all the products making sure that you know everything is being tested that the quality control levels are high because it's it's exactly the same as as the electronic cigarette industry in the sense that when you have a brand and you have a business where people are coming in your front door you you have to maintain a certain level of professionalism and quality so that a people feel confident to return and continue buying products for you but b even more importantly to, to make sure you're not putting anything out your door that that could ever risk getting somebody sick. So, you know, it, the exact same thing applies for for the the CBD, the hemp or the the cannabis industry. The more and, and obviously they, these are all relatively speaking new industries, so there are going to be obstacles, uh but at the end of the day the consumer wants to know wherever they're getting these products from are not only getting products that are going to be reliably safe to use, but they want to know that it's coming from other people who share a like-minded vision of what the industry is supposed to stand for and represent. And that's where you know we could possibly be facing huge problems with the idea that to buy any of these products, they're going to be coming from a pharmaceutical company or a tobacco company. The reason why a lot of people use these products in the first place is, is, is to get away from those industries because they don't want to support big tobacco companies and they don't want to support some of the big pharmaceutical industries. Yeah. So it's, it's important to make sure that you know whatever common sense regulation is implemented, and I do believe in common sense regulation, it's done in a way that still makes sure that to be able to have a space in the industry is attainable by working class Americans and not taken over by conglomerates that will make it virtually impossible for regular people to be a part of what can potentially be, you know, one of the new breakthrough industries of the next hopefully millennium, you know, it's, it's, it, the potential is, is there. It's just a matter of who are going to be the people who have a seat at the table, uh, when it comes to who gets to operate in the space, you know, how are you selecting products that are going into your store right now? Well, one of a few ways, uh, I mean, we carry dozens of different products from, from, you know, a lot of them are established companies that we've done our due diligence and our research into making sure that all of their products are being made the right way. We demand um, COAs on on every product that we carry in the store. Uh, And on a more local level, we try to deal with a lot of local Tennessee-based businesses. And uh, for a lot of them, this is their first year growing hemp. And it's really exciting because for a lot of these people, you know, they've been farmers for years 
kind of been struggling to find a crop that 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 potentially has the ability to to be profitable for them but to to make sure that we're maintaining a, a certain level of responsibility for the industry and ultimately for the consumers we demand the exact same testing done on all of their products as well uh if 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 you want to be in the space if you want to be able to operate there are certain things that that we require you do which is test your products make sure that they are you know clean and that they don't contain any kinds of uh, chemicals in them that you know have no place being in the plants, and you know when when they when they do the testing on these products, they test for everything, and they 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 should because you know ultimately at the end of the day, these are products that people are are, are consuming, ingesting, and putting into their body in one way or another, and it's our responsibility as an industry to make sure that whatever's going out uh, to be consumed is of the the highest quality. Uh, products available. Here's a here's an interesting question for you, and and uh, I'm I'm excited to hear your perspective here. There's hundreds of new products. I mean, dozens of new products coming onto the marketplace every single day. It feels like um, I, I think Square told me that they were onboarding 450 to about 470 new brands every single week um, for their beta program which at this point is no longer a beta program. They're just onboarding people to process CBD for. Um, but I'm, I'm really interested to hear your perspective from, I'm sure that being a physical store, you're constantly getting applications or submissions for people to carry their product in your store. What, what in your opinion is a gap that needs to be filled in the industry as far as product or delivery systems go? Huh, that's a good question. Um, uh, say that one more time. What products? Yeah, like oh. where's a hole? Where's like where's there a gap? Um, a lot of brands, like I get probably a dozen new products a week. Do, a dozen different companies sending me their stuff. They want me to promote them. All of this stuff, and a lot of them are great, but a lot of them are looky loo products in the sense that they're like a topical, a tincture, a um, you know, a gummy. And although that's fine and everybody has their unique differentiator, there's very few times where I see something that nobody else has that I think is like really super cool. Um, a case in point, an example of that would be like a fitness product or a um, essential oil blend that also has CBD in it. Um, you know, things of that nature. What, in your opinion, uh, first of all, what's selling the best in your store now? And second, yeah, that, what's a figure, hole that you feel like you you would like to see filled? Well, the I'll, I'll answer both of those. Uh, the the products that do not exist yet, where there is a little hole in the market, I think all that's the million dollar question right now, where we're all trying to figure out what that thing is. But yeah, um, probably the, the the things that are the best selling products right now in the store are. Are still probably basic CBD tinctures. They're you know reliable for reliable sales for a lot of people who are gonna you know start using a certain brand and come in repeatedly to to, to continue buying usually the same thing. And you know as far as I'm concerned, if something is working for somebody, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> exactly. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But um. But yeah, I mean, you know, there there have been a, a bunch of neat little products that have been coming out, and 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 like you said, a lot of you know we get dozens of samples sent to us every week. A lot of it is just variations on the exact the same exact thing the the gummies, the tinctures, the flower, um, the topicals. But every once in a while, you know, you get something that comes in uh, that's a little different, whether it's honey or uh you know just recently we brought in um some mints um so there's definitely new stuff coming out all the time but yeah, yeah mo most 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 people stick with the the main three things you know the topicals um the tinctures and um 
to a certain extent, the flowers, I guess. Yeah. Love it. And what's the best seller in your store right now you would say is still the tinctures? Tinctures are probably still the best sellers. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have obviously, you know, certain people prefer the capsules who aren't always crazy about the taste of the CBD. Um, and, you know, with, with all of the, the, the candies and edibles that are available, you know, there are, there are some people who like to eat it, but yeah, the, the tinctures at the end of the day are, are probably, probably our biggest seller, but you know, that's, that's changing a little bit for us because I don't know how it is everywhere else in the country, but right now in, in Nashville specifically in middle Tennessee, it seems like they're selling CBD everywhere, like literally everywhere. Um, you know, liquor stores are carrying CBD. The grocery stores are carrying CBD. Uh, Dillard's, which is like a big department store, like Macy's is carrying CBD. The gas stations are carrying CBD. There's a furniture store two blocks away from me that's selling CBD. The health and wellness places are <laughs> They're selling They're like, need CBD. a couch? Have a... <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to get comfortable in your couch? Try, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. But overall, you know, the, the, the fact that people are getting educated on what these products are and the fact that they are still ultimately derived from the same plant, whether you want to call it a cannabis plant or a hemp plant. The big thing for me that that's been the positive is public perception is, is, is evolving and changing. For, from a business perspective, you know, the, the fact that Tons of businesses are selling these products that don't necessarily know all that much about them is kind of a mixed mixed bag, I guess. Because on the one hand, it's it's nice that they're accessible to, to so many different people in so many different places. But at the end of the day, you know, it makes a big difference to go into a, a place that specializes in these products who can tell you the difference between full spectrum CBD and you know, <laughs> isolates, whereas a lot of these other places that sell it don't know. They're just, they're just there in little displays. You know, there's a, the big chain grocery stores called Kroger and there's, there's a display here where they sell all these products, but there's nobody who can answer questions about them. And I get a little concerned, you know, when people are buying them without really having a chance to talk to somebody to understand what they are how they work and, you know, the best ways to use them. But I'll never forget the first time I ever heard the term full spectrum isolate. I laughed so hard. I could hardly contain myself and it was just full spectrum isolate. I'm like, that is like in the title is the full, that's like the glory definition of an oxymoron. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, if this is any indication of the high school dropouts that are fucking running this show over here right now, just because they can pull together some money or our Trustafarians, like that shit is just... There's a there's a lot of bullshit like that going on. It was classic. Yeah, I mean, you know, all all of these things are a little bit of a double edged sword. You you wanna you wanna make sure that the entry point into the industry is is attainable enough for regular people, but you need to have basic common sense regulation in place to make sure that the industry doesn't shoot itself in the foot at the end of the day by just allowing anybody to operate in the space without any experience and without the kind of conditions for production that are necessary to make sure that these products are, are, are being made the right way. And at the same time, um, by leaving things completely wide open, uh, you run the risk of, of having products start infiltrating the market that aren't even created in the United States. And China, just to give you an example, sees the opportunity in, in, in this business everything. right now. <laughs> yeah, in everything. They see the but opportunity in everything. <laughs> they do, but they, they do not hold themselves to the same quality standards that I think most, you know, American consumers 
would like to think the products that they're going to be ingesting are, are, are going to be on that level. And, you know, it's, it's, it's Let's important. Let's be honest. Most consumers in the United States are purchasing a minimum of three to five products that are made in China or overseas every single day. We have, I think in a lot of cases, we have like an elitist mentality around like, ooh, it's American. But when it really comes down to it, I think we're more budget conscious than we are anything. And, and China makes it cheaper. You know, and that's that's a fact. Like, the yeah, but fact some, that, with, with something like CBD, they make it cheaper by cutting corners on the problem. Oh yeah, I agree a hundred percent. But that's where the education comes in, right? Is like, yeah, how how do you create a standard of education and awareness that helps a consumer make an educated or empowered decision about where they're sourcing from? And here in the United States, although we have a more of an elitist approach to standard. And only because it's a mature, it, we're we're a mature market here. Eighteen millions of pounds of cannabis was was cultivated in 2017. Only two of which, two million pounds, stuck in California. The rest of it is spread across the country. So we know what you know BC bud is. We know what the Cali kind is. We know what you know Calio. Like we we know what all of these different things are, and we expect hemp to be of a similar standard when in fact as a self-governing industry we were we're acting as if every man for themselves and instead of um really creating a standard of operation that empowers us as an industry you know before big business comes in here i mean what do we think the fda is going to change anything fuck those guys they're sorry guys don't don't shoot a laser into my living room right now, but I'm just going to say F you now because you are the FDA, the FTC are 80% funded by the very businesses that we're all, you know, revolting against. Big pharma is 80% of the revenue that is governing our department of agriculture. And like, that's our regulatory services that we have to be up against right now. What we can say, what we can do, what we can deliver is governed by people that are funded by the very organizations that we are fighting against in order to have a different standard of healthcare. And they will end up, you know, because their wallets are deeper and their, you know, their lawyers are meaner and they can afford to just you know, push everybody in the direction that they want them to go. In the meantime, we have, you know, for me, this is a freedom movement. And we do, in fact, have the right to choose how we want to manage the symptoms that are associated with any of the um, life-altering diagnoses that, you know, cannabis or hemp has been attributed to um, helping. And if we don't set the standard, I ask you who's going to like, for me, well, that's a lot of why I focused on education, because in my opinion, um, as humble as it may be, it's in my opinion, being a patient, somebody whose life has suffered, somebody whose life has been altered by the overprescription of medications and following doctor's orders, which are not always awesome. You know, and following doctor's orders have really put me in, um, put me in a position where I was in danger. And not that I want to negate the medical system, because without modern day medicine, my dad wouldn't be here. He's a liver transplant survivor. He's a kidney transplant survivor. He's fucking had, I mean, he's the bionic man. He's got more new organs internally he's about he's my age (laughs) internally he's 35 years old you know like he's he's an iron horse my stepmother is thriving with stage two non-hodgkin's lymphoma and i mean through holistic medicine she's been able to thrive not survive but she's truly thriving so i really believe in you know modern day medicine and i also believe there's a significant imbalance in the education and the pursuit of truth. Uh, We as consumers have to require of our companies um, and organizations that we have access to the truth and that there is more of a qualifying system in place that protects us. You know, a lot of the information that's available on the internet, for instance, now is governed by and created by brands who want you to buy their, their stuff. You know, That's China, right. the United States, it doesn't matter. It's biased information. So you really have to find the voice 
um, that you can trust and the source of information that you know is not paid, um, which by the way, we're not paid. So <laughs> not to be a shameless plug or whatever, but we're not paid. We've just been in this long enough to know and we've literally dug the holes, planted the seeds and grown the plant, extracted the oil and thrown it into bottles on behalf of these people. We're not doing that anymore, but we've done the whole process. Like we understand what it takes. And sure it's not as easy as it looks and it's not as easy as it sounds. Um, but it is on the other hand, providing incredible opportunity to these legacy farms to be reborn, um, and, you know, reignited and giving the next generation an opportunity to live that American dream that, you know, the entire world is flocking here for right now. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's ultimately the, the whole conundrum of the situation is, you know, you, you, you want to be able to trust the regulatory agencies, but, and I, I agree with you a hundred percent on everything you said. I, 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 I'm not somebody who's anti science or anti medicine. Uh, but we've gotten to a point in this country where the lines have been so blurred yeah. between businesses especially the big businesses who, like you said, have the deep pockets, can afford to spend countless amounts of money on lobbying. And we're at a, at a sad point right now where people don't really know who they can trust. Yeah. And, you know, just through my experiences in the electronic cigarette industry, I've seen that the FDA definitely has people pulling the strings uh, behind, you know, how they're writing policy. And it's always an issue of who has the deepest pockets. And it, it does sadly always fall, you know, to these gigantic pharmaceutical companies and, you know, in the electronic cigarette industry, the tobacco companies. Um but even when you find out that, you know, the guy who was Scott Gottlieb, who was director of the FDA for a while, you know, had an interest in the electronic cigarette industry, you start to realize, hey, wait a second. You know, these, these, these agencies, you know, really need to be separated from big business interests and really need to start working on behalf of the, the public interest and the public health. You know, because ju just just to illustrate a little story of how this gets so crazy is with all of the whole vaping hysteria that's been going on, um, the Tennessee Department of Health, which should be an agency that, that people in the state should be able to look at and trust what they're saying is reliable information for the benefit of the public they were intentionally blurring the lines between the differences between electronic cigarettes and THC cartridges, black market THC cartridges. And that's really a tragedy for the country when people don't know where they can be getting reliable sources of information from because the education is everything. You know, it, it, it is the responsibility of the American consumer to, to do their research, their own independent research uh, on any product that they, you know, may potentially be interested in, in purchasing, buying, ingesting. But where, where are these people supposed to get this information from? Gets really, really difficult to know, you know, because I can't point to one source right now and say, okay, uh, you can 100% trust, you know, there are definitely eight, you know, groups out there, the, you know, the Hemp Industry Association and, you know, different, you know, pro-cannabis industry associations. But at the end of the day... Even uh, they are biased. Yeah. At the end of the day, th there has to be some kind of reliable information source for the American consumer to be able to to get their information from 
that they could feel 100% confident using that information to make informed decisions from. And yeah. And even companies like yours that you can rely on to refer out to, you know, like that's a lot of what they, people are looking for is just like a helping hand to get pointed in the right direction, whether they're picking a product or looking for info, it's, you know, people are just looking for a helping hand and like a community to connect with that doesn't make them feel like a leper because they're trying something other than what the generation before or what their friends are doing or whatever, you know, of course. So, Friends are judgy. Yeah. <laughs> Friends are judgy. No, it's, it's, it's true. And, you know, people should be discerning. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, right now, this, this, is, this is the big question. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the answer is right now. Because and nobody knows what the answer is. It's just a fun topic of discussion because yeah. <laughs> nobody knows. That there's no fucking answer. Otherwise, we would be yeah. following the rules right now, you know. But um, for us, like, that's why we focus on education because we wanted to become that hub. And we created something called the Leaf Academy, um, which is... A, an education platform that people can connect and collaborate with like-minded folks, ask their questions in a comfortable space. We've created certification programs so that people with physical retail stores, as they're integrating um, products, they can, you know, have their staff take the CBD ambassadors program and understand, you know, the key pieces of science and the key pieces of history um, and, you know, the delivery systems and dosing that you should help folks select if they're coming to you with specific, you know, ailments. We've also created, you know, the natural health coach certification program where we're actually certifying people to be able to do consultations and, you know, review medical history and, you know, make your selection based off of the results that you're looking for. And now you have a liaison that can help support you finding and adding or eliminating products as you're transitioning into holistic care. So we've partnered with doctors, we've partnered with DOs, legal teams, all different types of folks to speak to how to navigate your way through, whether you're a consumer or a business owner, a budding entrepreneur, how do you navigate your way through all of this stuff? And then we provide tools and resources, um, you know, inside of those things. So that's been a lot of our focus and, and what we continue. That's to fantastic. Improve. Yeah, we continue to improve that every day. And, um, you know, I think it's absolutely necessary for retail. I love that the retail um, industry is being reborn right now with CBD. You're seeing them pop up all over the place and that you're getting that like engagement one-on-one with people like that's something that was really missing with the revolution around online shopping and something that has really been, has really been cool to, you know, resurrect and, and create like that client connection with the store. So I'm yeah. super excited to see that whole piece happen. In our podcast, we do a segment called the words of wisdom. And I'd love to hear from you just a quick and dirty pieces of advice, maybe two or three pieces of advice that you could offer our budding entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out this industry, um, whether they need to increase distribution, like I have an idea. Can you give some words of wisdom to existing brands who want to get their products placed into a retail store? What's the best way to approach you to catch your attention um, and actually be considered to uh, get picked up? Um, well, I, I think the the main thing we look for, and um, you know, I, I'm sure other businesses take a, a different approach to it. But it's important to us to know that the the ethos of the company that we will potentially consider bringing into our store kind of aligns with with our outlook and values on the industry as a whole. Um, anybody who's just I mean you know this is America. Everybody has the right to to make a living and get into any business that they want to, but it's, you know, this is, this is a special industry because <laughs> there, it, 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 it means something and it, it's, it, it really needs to stand for something, um, that, that goes beyond just profit margins. Love that. And, uh, for us, it's really important that the, the businesses that we're working with and, and the brands that we're carrying in our store, recognize that this is a, a unique time for 
not only this industry, but for this country to, to start evolving into a new way of doing things, to start approaching lifestyle and wellness in a way that I don't know that, that this country's really had the chance to explore before. And for us to just bring in a brand um, that was created by people whose only incentive is profit probably will not wind up on our shelves. We, 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 we want companies who, who, who want to make the world a better place. <laughs> as, as silly as that might sound. We'll just put um, some cheese on that right there. That was, that was perfectly said. I, I uh, emphasize this so much with the brands that I work with. And I do work with a, 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 quite a few brands who um, are really trying to navigate their way through this as a, as a consultant. And I always tell them that, you know, you have to have a mission and a movement that's connected to the product. People buy people, not products. And yeah. so, you know, that's a, that's a really key differentiator. Were, were you done with your, with your words of wisdom? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was pretty much what I was going to say. Uh, I'll, I'll end it on one thing though. Um, right now, this country is so divided politically probably more divided right now than we've ever been since potentially the Civil War. Cannabis is a magical plant. And it has the ability to bring people from both sides of the political spectrum together in a way that very few things can. And to be able to see people who are coming into the store who are politically very far to the right. You know, we've got guys coming in growing hemp who are full on Tennessee cowboys, with cowboy hats and boots and belt buckles. And we've got guys coming in growing hemp who are tie dye wearing dreadlock hippies. <laughs> and I can't think of one single other thing that has the ability to bring people together from such far cultural and political backgrounds. And if we continue to develop this industry in the right way, it really has the ability to heal the divides that exist in this country right now. Not even just for people who are using it, you know, just to get a little stoned once in a while, but the medical aspects of it, and beyond even that, the, the, the cultural divides that can be torn down from this plant, from this, hopefully, this industry, if it's maintained the right way, I, I, I really gives me a little hope for the future that things can get better. I couldn't agree with you more. I call cannabis the great equalizer. And yes. it is you know, just such a great way to level the playing field. And although you'll see people and be like, you know, pro-abortion or, you know, opposing abortion or let's get rid of Planned Parenthood or, you know, health care for everyone, no health care for anyone. There's just like things that seem really super important that nobody can find common ground with. But when it comes to cannabis, they're like, cannabis? Yeah. Yeah, we probably want some more of that. <laughs> However, that's happening over there. We'll take a we'll take our piece of the twenty two billion dollar pie. No problem. <laughs> so well, I I definitely think it's an equalizer, and we're definitely seeing for whatever their reasons, whatever their motivations are, we're seeing more people adopt um, and jump on board. So I'm really excited to see um, at the the evolving landscape as we continue to integrate cannabis and its derivatives, hemp and its derivatives into our communities and make sure that you guys are out there playing it safe. My words of wisdom for the day will piggyback directly on what you are saying. Um, I couldn't agree more in the sense that there has to be a key differentiator, what we call a unique selling proposition. When you are selling or sending samples into a store, you are a sea of you are in a sea of many. And how do you stand? How do you stand out um, as the um, the go-to brand when there's so many other businesses who are fighting for the same shelf space? Um, there. 
the one thing that I say all the time is that your community and your consciousness connected to your product and your brand is going to be a really easy way to differentiate yourself. If you are bringing yourself into a store saying, Hey, guess what? I have 30,000 followers who are all in alignment and looking for this brand and look and, you know, really are excited about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And we'd love to be able to announce our partnership and that people can pick up your, um, your product or our product at your store. That creates a win-win situation for both the store owner and the brand. They, you're showing that you have a following. You're showing that you have a community who is actively searching and in alignment with the things that are most important with you. Again, this is not about the formula that you can put into a bottle and slap a label on. This is about the mission and the movement to help people gain access to natural alternatives that can transform the way that they feel and function on a daily basis. And whichever niche you select, that has to be the mission and you have to create a movement through building a community around that cause. The second piece of information that I'll share with you is your message to market match. How you communicate the moral code that you create as a company and indoctrinate a community of people to capture, connect, and ultimately convert them into sales is so important. Understanding who your customer is that you're creating products for will allow you to effortlessly create that message to market match. And then finally is the technology. How do you bring together the digital... How you bring together the digital assets that you need to help both the store and your brand increase revenue over time through your partnership is going to help you stand apart every single time. If you're just looking for that one-off sale to get picked up as a wholesale account, that's not going to be very very exciting long-term. How are the customers even going to understand why they should pick you over somebody else? But if you are bringing more assets to the company that you want to do business with in partnership and you bring you lead with the value just because of the feeling that they have, the trust and rapport that you've built with the business owner um, or brick and mortar company, they're going to go to select your topical before anyone else's because they feel connected to your cause. And you always have to be thinking about what problem can I solve for somebody else so that they want to solve your problem too. Everyone's looking, everyone's fighting for the same same shelf space right now. And you have to be able to communicate your commitment to excellence, create a message that creates a movement and gets people enrolled in the mission that you have for change through your brand. Your brand will just be a byproduct of all of that incredible life-changing work that you will do. And, and if you don't know how to do those things, feel free to reach out. This is, this is exactly what I do is create message-to-market matches and really create a passion behind the purpose and, and cultivate a profitable business from those places. Gone are the days where you can just push products. You now you have to be a people that people want to do business with. So those are my words of wisdom. Amen. <laughs> and preach. And are we ever going to get to see you put that Gibson to work back there? Are you going to make maybe maybe next time? But I really <laughs> appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. It's been it's been great. Keep up all the work that you're doing. Uh, we're going to have to talk. You know, outside of this. Uh, podcast and I, I I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about what you do and uh you know the information uh and education stuff that you're you're working on really really sounds like really good positive stuff well thank you i really appreciate that where can people find you if they want to know where to get to you uh well our retail store if anybody's in nashville is is on uh is 5916 charlotte pike uh, but for everybody else, you can check us out on uh, www.nashvillehemp.com. We have a site under construction right now. So we're hoping by in the next two weeks, our, our new site will be up. That'll have uh, more information and uh, you know some products and kind of a little bit of an overall vibe of, of what we're trying to do out here. 
Okay, sounds good. Um, all of the social media handlings and websites will be put right here in the blog, as well as the show notes and highlights from today's shows. If you are a budding entrepreneur or somebody who's already in the business and you need some support breaking through those glass ceilings or just finding your way in this inevitably challenging but quite amazing, quite incredible industry. Check us out at theemeraldcircle.com for any of the resources, relationships, tools, tips, and tricks that you need to succeed in the green rush. If you are an incredible person looking for some products that you can depend on to deliver the results you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks so much, David. Thank you. You have a good one. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.